Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Nashville Life. For those of you who come regularly, and welcome to all you first-timers out here. I'm so grateful that you're here with us. My name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor at the church, and uh, we had a great first service. I know we're going to have a great one today as well. God is awesome. His presence is great, and I'm always amazed when he puts things together the way he does, and Really, the main theme of my message was the entire chorus of that first song, uh, For God to Love the World. And I would love for all of us to sing that one again to transition us into the word. Uh, for, for God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only son to save us, whoever believes in him will live forever. Let's do that one again. For God so loved. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us. Whoever believes in him will live forever. Let's do that one more time. National Life, let's do three for harmony. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only son to save us, whoever believes in him will live forever. That's National Life right there. But it's such an important lyric. It's so important. Those words are so important, and I'm so grateful. So let's, uh, yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for that word. We thank you for, for the fact that you love us so much, that you sent your only son to die for us and to raise from the grave, and that whoever believes on him, whoever believes on Jesus, will not perish, but live forever. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Repeat these words after me. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Um, we are... Fourth quarter of our year, October, November, December, we are closing out 2022, last part, uh, last chunk, and uh, we've been covering a theme all year long, and it's been withstanding the wind. Withstanding the wind has been our theme, and it's inspired by a passage in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. And it's John the Baptist talking about Jesus, and most of you guys probably know this by heart by now, but he says, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And it's a word to us to let us know that Jesus allows winds to blow through our lives uh, through our families, through his church, through the world, the body of Christ as a whole. There's all types of winds blowing, and, 
And we've been experiencing a lot of that as, as a nation, as individuals, as a church, even the body of Christ as a whole. Um, it's been a very dynamic time. And when you think of a wind blowing, you think of just everything going every which way. We've got people in the body of Christ this year that have decided to back away from their faith and turn away from, from what they believed was true. And uh, we've seen that kind of blowing happen, but we've also seen droves running to Jesus and choosing to give their lives to the Lord and all of it sort of happening at the same time. And that's sort of been the story of a lot of my life this year. There's been some amazing things happening, and then there's been some really hard things that have been happening, and they're happening all at the same time. And it's, it's, it can feel a little bit chaotic. And it's, someone even asked me today, how was your week? I was like, dynamic. Dynamic is the word. Because it was everything. I mean, I was, got real sick on Monday. Then Tuesday, I felt totally fine. I felt great. It's just, it's just been a lot of different stuff. And when you're going through those times, if anybody can relate, you ask God, like, what, what am I supposed to do right now? Like, there's amazing victories happening and great highs, but then there's some tough woes. I've laughed. I've cried. Like, what do, you, what do we do? And that was my prayer this week. So much to the point where I just paused. I was like, Jesus, what, what do I need to do? God, tell me, what sh- how should I be handling this time? And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, and the word that I got was, turn your eyes to Jesus and stabilize. Turn your eyes to Jesus and stabilize. And I thought about the word stabilize and the purpose of being stable, and I thought about, you know, when winds are blowing or when you're in a tornado or even we were praying a lot for Florida this week of what was going on down there. Whenever there's strong winds, you always are trying to find something that's stable, Something to hold on to that's not going to cause you to fly off the handle. You're trying to find something that is a rock, something that is a constant in the midst of all the moving variables. And that's kind of where I've been. There's a lot of moving variables happening during this time. And I'm like, what do I do? He goes, turn to me and stabilize. When you turn to me, I will stabilize your life. I will stabilize you. And I will keep you solid in the midst of all of the winds that are happening. So I thought about turn your eyes to Jesus. And my mind immediately went to a story in the Old Testament. And then I was like, wait a minute. Jesus refers to this story in the New Testament as well. So I'm going to read both. I'm going to start off with the words of Jesus. And he refers to this Old Testament story that I'll refer to and go to next. But first, I'll read from the words of Jesus, John chapter 3. I'm going to read 14 through 16. Now, 16 is arguably the most famous passage in the Bible, and rightfully so. We were just singing about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, have eternal life. Um, But the two verses before that are maybe a little bit less known, and I want to reintroduce those in case you forgot about the chapter, or not the chapter, the verses that, that precede that famous verse 16. Jesus said, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is referencing an Old Testament miracle that I want to make sure that we are aware of before we leave today. Um, It's a story in the Old Testament where Moses is leading the Israelites out of slavery, out of slavery, out of the captivity of Pharaoh and the city of Egypt, and he, uh, or the kingdom of Egypt, and he moves them out, and they find themselves in a season that's a wilderness, and that's that's a spot that they had where they weren't in slavery, but they also weren't at the promised land either. And it was during this time in the wilderness that a lot of their humanity started to get the best of them. Uh, their irritabilities, their quirks, their, their, their fears, their insecurities, their, their impatience, all these things that human beings experience from time to time begin to really come up to the surface during this period. And it was so bad that it caused them a lot of grief. It caused some of them even death. And unfortunately, many people missed out on the promise of God because of this wilderness time, not being able to survive or pass the test that came in that middle space called the wilderness. And Numbers 21, 4 through 9, talks about one of the episodes of this saga that happened between uh, God's people and this space called the wilderness. This is only one of several episodes. I would highly recommend you read about the Israelites' journey because it will show you a lot about them and actually shows us a lot about us and it shows us a lot about God. I'm going to go verse 4 of Numbers 21. Uh, From Mount Or they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and we loathe This worthless food, which makes me laugh a little bit because they just said there was no food. And then they said this food that we do have is worthless. Welcome to humanity. Welcome to us. Welcome to us. This is us. Uh, Verse 6. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents. So he, he wasn't laughing like we are. He wasn't laughing about this. He sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit. The people so that many people of Israel died. So this is serious. This is, this is not a joke. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. That's a lot. 
God's people were delivered miraculously from slavery. And it was so, I mean, there's movies about how epic this deliverance was. I mean, the plagues, the Red Sea, all of this happened for the benefit of Israel. And post that salvation, post that deliverance, it wasn't enough to keep them happy. Then the Lord made sure that food was miraculously brought to them from the heavens. And it still wasn't enough. And the Lord responded to this by allowing poisonous snakes to go through the camp. And they were biting people, and people started dropping like flies, like dying from the venom that they were receiving from these poisonous snakes. And it got real grim, as you can imagine, in the camp. I mean, every day, somebody else was dropping, somebody was dying, and those who weren't dead were really sick because they had this venom in them, and they were, they were, they were, they were perishing. The camp was perishing. And it got so severe and it got so grim and it got so scary that it caused them to go, we have sinned. And they went to Moses and said, we've been talking against God, against you. Please talk to God. Pray to him for him to save us from these snakes that are killing us. So Moses heard them and went to God and said, God, you got, I'm praying for these people Save them from these snakes. Save them from this venom. And God did what he always does because that's just his character, and he provided salvation. God provided salvation, and that is why we love him. That's why we thank him. That's why we're grateful because he provided salvation. But it's very important to pay attention. It's kind of a side note, but we must pay attention with how he provided that salvation. We talked about this last week with the two fish and the five loaves. Um, God has the power to, when it came to the two fish and the five loaves, we covered last week, that Jesus had the power to snap his fingers and say, all of you all are full and no one's hungry anymore. And it would have worked. That's how powerful God is. But for some reason, there's something about God. There's something about his preference. There's something about the way that he works where he chose not to just make it a one-stop step. But he wanted to provide his miracle via, via a series of instructions that involved human beings like you and me. So he went to his disciples and said, here, take this bread and distribute it. Take this fish and distribute it. And as they distribute it, it began to multiply. And that's how the miracle happened. I refer to that because we see a similar pattern here. God had the power. I mean, this is the creator of the universe. This is the one who just a few years ago in this story, part of the Red Sea, or months ago, however how long it was. He had just done something amazing, but he chose to not just say, boom, you guys are all healed. And if he did that, it would have worked. But he instead decided to involve his covenant people, in this case, Moses, and he gave a series of instructions of how he wanted to provide the miracle of salvation from the venom of these poisonous snakes. And he told them to do two things. There were two instructions. One is for Moses to make a fiery serpent out of bronze, and which I guess is a whole process in itself. You got to, I guess, melt the bronze and mold it and shape it to the form of a serpent. 
and design it and all that, and then take the serpent and find a pole and put it on a pole. And the next instruction was to raise the pole and to instruct everyone who had been infected by the serpent to look, by the snakes, to look at the raised serpent. And when they look at the serpent, they will be healed. Again, could he have said, boom, done, yes, but we, we serve a God who, who provides miracles most of the time via a series of instructions. And I'm trying to tell you all that because some of you guys are wanting God to do things in your life. And yes, though he could snap his fingers and it happened, and though we kind of honestly wish he would most of the time, he provides it via a series of instructions. You have to understand that don't mistake the instructions for a lack of power. God is choosing to provide healing for these people by having one man agree to make a serpent, put it on a pole, raise it for the people to look at it, and that's when the miracle will manifest. So just remember that about God. It might, the, your miracle might well be a, a series of instructions, uh, so which means we have to listen and, and obey and follow through to the end. That, that wasn't the point of my message. The point of my message is where they looked at the serpent that was raised, and they were healed. And I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure that when you get bit by a snake, a poisonous snake, there's a lot of things that start happening biologically. You know, when it comes to the inflammation that happens in your body, your blood actually begins to be infected. The blood that's running through your veins ends up being uh, poisoned. And then, and then just your organs and your vitals, everything starts going through the roof and, and, and you're, you're, you're sweating. Some, of, some people lose their, their sight. It's just chaos in your body, chaos in your body, so much chaos to where you actually eventually drop dead. That's what was happening to these people. So when I see that they looked at the serpent and lived, you know, it's really easy to kind of Disneyfy these Bible stories and think, oh, it just kind of happened. But this was a real day. These are real people who were dying of poison, dying of venom. And when they looked at the serpent, I can just, I mean, if it's anything like any other detox, there was probably some sweat happening. There was probably some things coming out their pores. They probably throwing up maybe. I mean, I don't know. It was probably a very messy picture, a miraculous picture, but a messy one. Because these, this venom that was inside of them had to get out somehow had to get out somehow. So you're seeing these people look upon this serpent and they experience the reverse effects of the venom so that all the inflammation that was, that was so strong in their bodies started to eventually subside. And all of the fog from the eyesight loss was starting to clarify and, and the blood that was filled with toxins and poison be, began to detoxify. And, and we, you start seeing all that happens and the body starts to reverse. And you start to see this miracle where these people who were dying of poison live. That, that's, that's great. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Jesus chose to reference this story before saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Let's read it again. John 3. 14 through 16, Jesus said, and as Moses lifted up the serpent, if you were ever wondering what serpent he was talking about, now we know. 
He was talking about that bronze serpent that God instructed Moses to make to heal all the people who have been bit by the snake. He said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So he's comparing himself to this bronze serpent, the bronze serpent that was made by Moses. When it was lifted up, it healed the people from perishing from the snake bite. And Jesus going just like it worked with Moses and the serpent, now the day has come where the Son of Man must be lifted up. Instead of a serpent, it's the Son of Man. And whoever looks and believes on him will likewise cease from perishing and live just like the serpent Looking at the serpent was able to heal people from the venom of the snake. Believing on Jesus will be able to heal you from the perishing that's happening in our lives. So that brings me to the next question. Who's bit? Who's bit by the snake? Who's the, who are the people that need to look upon the serpent? And the answer is all of us. All of us. And some of us are going, well, I don't remember being bit by a snake. I, I don't, I'm staying away from snakes. I've never even seen a snake in person. It's a different kind of snake. The snake that bit humanity is the snake that has released the venom called sin. Sin is the venom that runs through the veins of humanity before they believe in Jesus. Without Jesus, we always say this quote, you know, whoever believes in Jesus will not perish. But the flip side of that same truth is whoever doesn't believe in Jesus will perish. And we don't like to embrace that as much because you know, for obvious reasons. It can be offensive, but it's the truth. And the reason why it has to be a truth that we stand on because hey, it's the truth. When it comes to perishing, we have to understand that all of us were born with a pre-existing condition. We learned about, we learned about that during COVID, pre-existing conditions, right? Pre-existing, I had this before the virus came. We all, as human beings, have a pre-existing condition, and we have all been bit by the, 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 the snake that brings sin into our lives. And this is something that we must embrace because otherwise it will diminish the necessity of believing in Jesus, and it will diminish the severity of our issue without him. Without Jesus, we are perishing. And I was thinking about this. I was trying to figure out a point how to make this clear, and I was going, man... I got reminded that the very first human being that was born on earth murdered his little brother. The first kid that was born of two people, Adam and Eve's first son, was a murderer. And I'm trying to let us know that because I still think that we diminish the severity of sin. And I think it's really interesting that God is letting us know that such a severe crime was done that early because we as people in 2022, we get, you know, we get really intellectual. And we begin to look at statistics and things that society says that contributes to why people grow up to act out, to do crimes and things of that nature. So, you know, things, and, and I'm not saying those things don't hurt but at the same time, Cain was born before there was ever gangster rap. He was born before there was ever death metal. 
He was born before there were violent cartoons. He was born before there was uh, drugs and, and gangs. What Cain had was sin. And I'm not saying that some of these things aren't detriments to society, but at the end of the day, the root that causes someone to murder their own brother is sin. And sin is what connects all of us in this room. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. We have sinned and we have sinned. So long story short, we've all been bit. We've all been bit by this thing, this venom. And, and sin, what it does, it does similar things to what the venom did to the camp in Israel. It inflames your life. It takes your vitals through the roof. It, 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 it brings toxins into your bloodstream to where you all, you, that's, why we, that's why we see patterns repeat from generation to generation. It's in, it's in our blood. It's something that we have without even trying, which is why no one has to go through next steps to learn how to lie. No one has to read their Bible and fast to learn how to be selfish. None of us have to go through training to know how to hate. We have to be trained to love. We have to be trained to share. We have to be trained to be servants. The other stuff we get naturally because of a pre-existing condition called sin. And what the world what the Lord is showing us is that because of this snake bite, the snake bite of sin that has taken all of humanity, we are all by default perishing, which is why all of us must look to Jesus just like the Israelite camp had to look at that bronze serpent. If we want the effects of sin to stop, if we want to reverse the effects of this venom that has gotten into our lives because of sin, we must look and believe on the lifted Son of Man who is Jesus. And as simple... And as simple as the instructions were for the Israelite camp to look upon the serpent, and as simple as they became healed, that's how simple it is for us. If we would simply turn our eyes to Jesus, he will stabilize our lives. He will stabilize all of the vitals that make us who we are. He will cause us to see clearly. Think about inflammation. I had a real bad sinus issue Monday. Like every, I couldn't even inhale without sneezing a lot. It was, that, that, that's what happens when you're inflamed. When things are inflamed, when you experience inflammation, even the smallest things can cause big results. And I was thinking about it. I was like, man, when we're inflamed, that's what causes you to react to things that used to not bother you. But when you're inflamed or when you're irritable, the slightest can make you just blow off. And, and, and that's that was, that was what was happening to me in my sinuses on Monday. But that's what happens to us even in our emotions. It happens to us in our thought life. When you're inflamed, you'll look at a little mouse and you'll react as if it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's what inflammation does. It's the things that would normally not bother you when you're sober all of a sudden cause these huge reactions because there's inflammation happening in your life. And the Lord is telling me 
And I'm sharing with you that if you look to Jesus, if we look to him, he will stabilize everything happening on the inside to where we won't react to the outside the way that we do because of what's happening in the inside. And that's essentially what being saved is. He saves you from the condition of, of a perishing life. He saves you from a perishing life. And we all need it because according to the word, all of us have been born into this thing called sin. All of us have been shaped by this thing called iniquity. And it doesn't matter if you've been raised in a rich home, in a poor home, in a single family home, single parent home, two parents in the house. If you have education or don't, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, if you're white, it doesn't matter what you've experienced socially, what draw, what we all have in common in this room is we were all born in sin. And without Jesus, we will all perish. And the perishing, it might not always be a steep decline. And those are the ones that society sees, like the steep perishing. Even though it might not be this, you can guarantee at best it's this. And it's, it's, a, it's a decline that if we don't urgently turn to the one who will save us. But the good news of the gospel is if we do, we won't perish. If we would only look to him, if we would only place our faith in him, we will not perish, but we will live forever. And that is the miracle of salvation. But Jesus took it upon himself to say it works, it works just like the serpent that Moses raised up with the camp. Like, because they know those stories. He was preaching to people who knew the Old Testament. So he goes, y'all know that story where Moses had that serpent and he lifted it up and everybody that had the snake bite? That's what, I, that's what the Son of Man is. That's what I am. If I'm lifted up and people look to me, I will stabilize their lives. So how do you look to Jesus? How do you look at him? How do you, you know, because I've never seen him physically. My word says that he's seated next to the Father in heaven, and he's not coming down physically until he comes back and we all see him. So until then, like, if this is so important, if this is so vital, if you're telling me to turn my eyes to Jesus, how can I do that? That's a question I had, and that's a question that some of you guys might have. How, how do you turn your eyes to Jesus if you can't see him physically? Well, the answer that I have is this. First, we see Jesus by having pure hearts. Seeing Jesus is different than seeing each other. We can have, it doesn't matter what condition my heart is, I see John just fine. I see John regardless of, it's not because I have a pure heart, it's because I have eyes. Jesus is in a different category. You can't see him unless you have a pure heart. The Bible says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. You can't see him without a pure heart. But you can see him with a pure heart, which brings me to the next question. How do we receive a pure heart? We repent. We repent. We repent. Repentance is a gift that gives us the heart that we need to see 
God. The Bible says the new covenant is that he will replace our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And that heart of stone comes from an accumulation of events, from, from sins against us, sins that we've given, sins that we've done, things, heartbreak, betrayal, rejection, lies, crime, scandal, you name it, insecurities. You, you'd be amazed at how many things tarnish the heart. Life comes with so many situations that are, that's out to get your heart, which is why the Lord says we have to guard it. But let's say you didn't guard it well. Let's say you let your guards down and something got in there. The good news of the gospel is you can actually go to the Lord and say, I repent. I repent. And the Bible, repentance is so great because it's not a one-time thing. You can actually do it over again, which thank God, because our heart accumulates sin over time, which is why we can't depend on last Friday's shower to smell good today. Because things accumulate naturally. You cannot depend on that repentance when you were 14 at summer camp for your life today. You must constantly be going to the Lord saying, something else came up, God, and I repent. And that constant repentance and confession of sin is what keeps you having a pure heart so that you can see Jesus. So that you can see God. Second thing, we see him through the help of the Holy Spirit. Flesh cannot mix with spirit. God is a spirit. So if we want to see him, we need help from the Holy Spirit. We have to ask the Holy Spirit, fill me, help me so I can see the Lord by the Spirit. You can't see things of the Spirit unless it's by the Spirit. We must ask for the Holy Spirit to help us. Help me see you for who you really are. Help me to see the truth. Help me to see the truth. Spirit of truth, help me see the truth. You know that's one of the words of the Holy Spirit. One of his names is the spirit of truth. He will let you know the truth. Even when you don't want to know the truth. He'll let you know the truth. He'll show you the truth. And that's how you'll be able to see God through an undistorted lens. The people in Israel's camp, the Israelite camp, they had such a distorted lens. They were complaining and cursing about the same God who just moved heaven and earth for them to be free from slavery, who just parted the Red Sea on their behalf. But when you don't have a clear lens and when you're not seeing from the Spirit, you end up loathing the very God who just saved your life. That's what happens. That's what human beings are capable of doing if we don't constantly keep the spirit active in our life. He will turn that thing around so your greatest help looks like your greatest enemy. And your greatest enemy looks like your greatest friend. It's like being drunk. It's like being under the influence. Everything's just like beer goggles. Like you see things that, like that's the thing. Like you, you, you see things under the influence of something else. And things that you would normally, if you were sober, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, no. But then you're like, okay, yeah, I will. Like, that's a, that's a thing that happens in the spirit. So we must have the Holy Spirit. We must have the Holy Spirit so we can see him. Now, the cool thing about this story is, I bet you anything, their song changed once they were healed from that venom of the snake. I bet you, <laughs> I bet you they were grateful to God then. 
because the God that they were complaining about, they just were like, oh, now it's like, oh, man, this is the God that saved me from the snake bite. I was dying. I bet you they liked Moses more, too, because Moses was the one that made the serpent for them to raise up. So when you, when you see Jesus, when you experience him, it causes you to, it rearranges how you see everything, including yourself. It's a blessing. So we need the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit every day. Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, lead me. Be my eyes. Be, my, be, be, be everything. Be everything for me so I can see God. Number three, we must, we, uh, sorry, we see him by meditating on the truth that he, talking about Jesus, is here and he is near to those who seek him. We must meditate on the simple truth that Jesus is here and he is near to those who seek him. And the reason why I say that, because the Bible says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. So anybody who's seeking Jesus, he's right there. He's near. And he's like, I thought you'd never call. I'm so happy. I was ready. I was ready. So this is, and, but we have to meditate on that truth. And the way we meditate on that truth is by praise and worship. Praise and worship keeps the nearness of God on our mind. Praise and worship keeps the existence of God close to our mind. You can't praise God too and without, without eventually realizing that he is here because he comes through praise. He, he, he sits in the throne of when we praise him. Every time we praise God, we're making a chair for him to sit on. Every time you praise God, your praise is constructing a chair, an imaginary chair. That God sits on. And that's why the presence manifests when you praise him. When you worship God, it causes his nearness to manifest in your life. That's why some of us find ourselves weeping like nothing happened. But the nearness of God begins to manifest in your life. We have that access to praise and worship. Number four, we see him by knowing him. We must know him. And a simple way to know God is to read the word of God. That's how you find out his character. That's how you find out how he works, his personality. That's how you get to understand. That's how you get to read these stories and see, oh, man, he let serpents come through. And then he told Moses to, like, that's how we find out who God is. And we can see him better when we know him. So that's my... That's my word. That's my word that God gave to me today, this week. And I want to share with you because. I, when things are, when there's a lot of moving variables in life, even if it's good stuff, you got to find something stable. You got to find something that keeps you level, keeps you from, from, from giving into anxiety or or manic kind of living, or things of that nature. And I needed it. I needed it this week. And he said, look to Jesus, turn your eyes to Jesus, and stabilize. And he reminded me of that story where the condition and the, the instruction were for the people who were perishing to look on that serpent. And then he saw how, he showed me how Jesus reminded us that just like that serpent was lifted up, the Son of Man is lifted up. So I want to let you guys know that we've lifted up the Son of Man Jesus is lifted up, and the only thing that you have to do is believe in him. When you believe in him, when you believe, with, when you believe in him, he will stabilize your life, and you will find the effects of sin start to stop, and then they'll reverse to where 
you'll actually start to experience his love, his peace, his power, his salvation, and you will live forever with him. When you look to Jesus, your, your life begins to detoxify. It be, there's a detox that happens. The inflammation begins to subside. The agitation begins to decrease. The off the walls begin to become calm waters. He will calm the storms of your life. The raging seas that are happening in your head and in your heart will calm if you look to him. So I want us to pray because in order to see him, we've got to get a few things in order. We've got to address our hearts. We've got to address our need for his spirit. We've got to praise him and thank him and remind ourselves that he is here and ready to heal you of any venom, any poison that has gotten into your life. And then he'll end giving you a word. We've got to ask him to give us his word. Give us a discipline to read his word. So I'm going to pray those things. And I'm going to ask us all to stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father. We want to see you. We need to see you, Jesus. As badly as the camp in Israel needed to look at the bronze serpent, that's how badly we need to look to you. Lord, without you, we're perishing. Without our eyes on you, We'll get tossed with the waves and sink like, like Peter did when he took his eyes off of you and looked to the waves. Lord, I believe that you're asking us and pleading for us to turn to you, to turn our eyes to you so you can bring stability from on high. Not the stability that money brings, not the stability that relationships bring. Not the stability that a house brings. But a stability that only comes from Jesus. Jesus, we need that. So we repent of our old hearts, our hearts that have been damaged our hearts that have been assaulted, broken, neglected, rejected. Lord, that heart has become a heart of stone for so many of us. Lord, so we appeal to you, God, and we plead for you to remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh so through our pure hearts, we can see you. Lord, we ask for your spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, you are the helper, and we need your help. Give us your spirit so we can see 
Jesus for who he is. And when we see him, Lord, let us be faithful to praise him and to worship him. Lord, so when we praise you and worship you, we'll be reminded that that you're close. You're here. You're present. We don't have to fear. You're right here with us. Lord, and we thank you for the word of God today that reminds us that you are here, that reminds us who you are, that reminds us how to see you. Lord, if there's anybody here in this room who needs stability in their hearts, in their lives, some people might be feeling like they're dying. Whether something happening physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Lord, help us remember that there is not any sin that is too great for you. There is no snake bite that's too fatal for your power. There is no situation too severe for your blood, Jesus. So we apply the blood of Jesus to our lives. We look to you knowing that you are the healer. So whether we have a sickness in our body, a sickness in our hearts, Lord, let us receive as we look to you, as we believe on you, as we believe in you as the Savior and as the Lord that we need so badly. Do whatever you want to, whatever you want to, I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to, whatever you want to, I will make room for you. you want to do whatever you want I will make room for you to do whatever you want to do whatever you want let him heal you today I will make room words after me if you are ready to make Jesus the focus of your life, the center of your life. If you want his lordship and his power to govern your life from this day forward, repeat these words. Say, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day and so I can see you every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's just offer a praise to God. He's healing lives. He's healing bodies. He's stabilizing hearts. He's renewing minds. He's pouring out his spirit. said yes to the Lord Jesus today, if you're ready to look at him and experience the healing that will come from believing in him, congratulations. Please let us know that you said yes to the Lord today. You can text us by texting the word belong to 77411, and it's a good way for us to connect with you. We've got some resources we would love to share with you. You can also come down. We have our prayer team that will be here to pray for you. Any needs that you have, let us pray if you would like to. Don't be shy. We're here to serve you. If you want to come to Next Steps, we're about to have it. Next Steps is just to talk about the vision of our church, and you can learn more about us. We'll be on the third floor right after service. You're welcome to come to that. And then lastly, if you want to give, thank you in advance for tithes and offerings. I pray God's blessings on you. You can give. Uh, online, or you can give to our finance team in the back. They'll be holding buckets. They'll be happy to help you. Have a great rest of the day. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. Father, I pray uh, that you would continue to minister to every person here. We pray for every family represented in this room and those watching online. God, I pray that we would continue to learn to not just look to you, but to fix our eyes on you throughout every hour of every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Have a good rest of the day. To do whatever you